Good morning. How are y'all doing? Okay, cool. Y'all are awake. I'm glad. My name is Marco. I serve as a preaching and teaching pastor here at a Storehouse McAllen. I see that the, I guess the winterish weather uh, has kept some people from joining us, but whatever. We're we're just more spiritual. Um, got a couple of things for you. We're going to find ourselves in, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open or load it. And uh, as you do that, I'll go ahead and ramble a little bit. Uh, and I'm just going to be honest with you, like right from the get-go, we got a lot to, to walk through today. Um, it was, it was a, a pleasure taking a break from preaching last week and sitting under Nathaniel's teaching and, and getting to hang out and sit with my family. Uh, but uh, but I've also, I'm also really excited to, to preach this morning. And it just so happens to be that uh, we, we have a lot to walk through uh, this morning. So uh, just a couple of things, and then I just want to dive into our time. Uh, if you are new, we'd love to hang out with you. We'd love to take you out to lunch or coffee. So fill out a Connect card. They're in the chairs before you. You can drop it in the offering basket later on this morning, or you can take it to the back Connect desk, uh, and uh, you can get some more information if you'd like. In addition to that, we love uh, God's Word, and so we preach directly from God's Word. And so if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs also before you. Uh, take one, that is our gift to you, and especially as the Christmas holiday makes its way in, uh, if you know someone who would benefit from having a Bible, take one or four with you and, uh, and hook them up. Um, I think that's all I have. I, I, I kind of just want to dive in. I've had a lot of coffee, uh, and, and I'm ready. Like, so I hope y'all are. I hope, I hope you guys are. I'll set this over here so as to not be tempted. <sighs> okay, so uh, if you're new, over the last several weeks, we have been walking through and examining many of the attributes of uh, the Holy Spirit. Essentially, we have been answering the question, what exactly does the Holy Spirit do? Um, it has been a great series because it has been and will continue to be a challenging one. Uh, the first week that we started this series, we began to talk about the abuse of the Holy Spirit, but also the neglect of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may come from one or even both of those backgrounds. And what I mean when I say the abuse of the Holy Spirit, that maybe you come from a background or you have heard of those churches that almost single out the Holy Spirit apart from the Father and the Son and make it all about the Holy Spirit, but hyper-spiritualize things, take things out of context that are clearly written in Scripture, uh, and begin to stir up some unhealthy, I guess it would be one way to say it, unhealthy emotions, essentially abusing the Holy Spirit and neglecting the rest of the Trinity. In addition to that, you may come from a background uh, where uh, you have uh, neglected or the, the Holy Spirit was completely, not, not neglected, wait, yeah, neglected in the sense that, um, man, it's not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's Father, Son, and, and Holy Bible, right? Like, don't, don't want to talk about the Spirit, don't want to talk about some of the spiritual things of God, that's weird, that's mysterious, that's some, let's just not go that route. And so it becomes this uh, neglect of the Holy Spirit, it becomes this uh, time where, where people begin to uh, ignore the Holy Spirit, and so what we want to do is essentially engage what God's Word has for us concerning the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the spiritual gifts 
that the Holy Spirit gives to Christians. And uh, this topic, and I'm pretty sure, I'm not going to even look at you, but this topic sometimes is accompanied with controversy, and it's accompanied with division, and honestly, that's just discouraging. It's discouraging because the third member of the Trinity, that is the Holy Spirit, is often forgotten, and the Word of God is further neglected, further abused. Um, and so before we dive into to 1 Corinthians, um, I'd actually like to walk through, and these are not on your notes, these are, this is kind of my preface to our time, and so I'd love for us to walk through three points of clarity as we dive into 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I think these are important because it certainly sets up our time. And so I'll just walk through these briefly. Here, here's the first point of clarity that I want you to get as we walk into 1 Corinthians 12 and even as we talk about the spiritual gifts. The first one is that it's all about Jesus. Everything points back to the person and work of Jesus, including the Holy Spirit. When we see Jesus on uh, the road to Emmaus as he's hanging out with two of the disciples, he essentially has a Bible study with them. And uh, what we read in Luke's account is that Jesus walks them through this story of redemption and then concludes by saying, all of that scripture is about me. All of this brings it back to me. In addition to that, uh, in John's account, uh, we see when Jesus begins to talk and introduce the disciples to the Holy Spirit, the first thing or one of the first things that Jesus tells the disciples is, as this helper comes, he is going to glorify me. He is going to help teach and remind you of the things I have spoken to you. It is all about Jesus, including the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not in conflict with one another. They are not in conflict with one another, even though I think some think so. Uh, and I think people, Christians, forget that Jesus too was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's point number one, or clarity. Number two is that if you are a Christian, that is, that you have been saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, right? If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. That's all I got. That's, that's really it, right? Like, you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you, and he dwells within the life of the believer, and he is at work within the life of the believer. That's kind of the point of this whole series. Number three, we got to get a little nerdy, Okay. Number three, there are two, and uh, I'll, I'll expand on this, but there are two schools of theology at debate with one another when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the first one is this uh, kind of cool word. Sorry, excuse me, that, that fell. I just don't want to be too distracted. Am I breaking this stand? No, I'm not, okay. <laughs> the first one is, the first school of thought or theology is one called cessationism. Kind of a fancy word, but whatevs. You know, I went to public school, so I get it, right? So cessationism is, is the first camp. Cessationism is one. The second one is called continuationism or continuists, however you want to call it, right? These are just nerds inventing cool words, right? 
Cessationism teaches conservatively, right? This is a very like 30,000 foot view definition. Cessationism teaches, conservatively teaches, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, are still active and alive in the church today with the exception of those that we would consider revelatory gifts or the sign gifts like prophecy and healing and tongues. Cessationists would say those particular gifts have ceased. Get it? Cessationism ceased? Right, anyway, right? So they have ceased uh, with the first century church. Right? Gonna get a little bit of a historical background. Continuationists believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are still in existence within the life of the church today. Okay? That's, uh, that's, that would be like the, the nutshell of both of them. Like if you Google them, your, your head will explode because there's so much written about them. But those would be nutshell positions within cessationism and then with continuists. Here's where we would land. And there's an asterisk, because I love asterisks. I love subpoints. I think you guys know that for now, right? Like, we would land in the continuationist camp, asterisk, cautious but biblical, right? <laughs> cautious but biblical. Here, here's why. To be fair, both of these positions love Jesus. Let me tell you that right now. Both of these camps, these schools of theology, these positions love Jesus, right? However, both of them have extreme examples. They have extreme examples where the Holy Spirit is abused and neglected. For instance, in this continuationist camp, you would go to a far extreme and even come to meet some hyper-charismatic individuals who are like, yeah, right, the Word of God, cool, experience, emotion, let's just focus on uh, bringing up a bunch of other stuff and neglecting the Word of God. So you have some hyper-charismatic, that's bad. By the way, look, let's just redeem the word charismatic, all right? The root word is charisma, it means gift. That's all it means, all right? Stop being weird. Okay, so with that being said, hyper-charismatic, right? Then on the other side, you got these cessationists and you got these super fundamental, absolutely no gifts exist that we see in scripture. None of them exist. They all ceased at the first century. Not just these sign gifts, but anything else that we see, for instance, the apostle Paul write about in addition to the teachings of the apostle Peter. So both of them have some extreme uh, camps. And because of those extreme examples, many of those examples have devastated and divided the church. Okay? So let me be clear. This is a point of distinction, not a point of division. Both love Jesus. Conservatively speaking, both love Jesus. We may disagree on some points, but just like every family has that weird cousin and that weird uncle and those quirky siblings, the church is no different. Okay? The church is no different. If we're all like, yeah, we're a church family, that means we have some weird cousins and that uncle that we, we're cool seeing once a year. You know what I mean? So don't act like, how dare you? You got that. Like you know. You know. Right? You know what I'm saying? And so as a result of that, 
I am not saying that within these positions there aren't false teachers or heretics. Those definitely need to be called out. We see that throughout the course of the New Testament. I'm not saying, oh yeah, man, we need to be cool with it. No, sometimes we need to call them out. We need to call them out for what they are, right? But then there are just other things that are just like, you're just weird, right? I know you love Jesus, but you're weird. I mean, I don't know how else to word it. I can hear some of you laughing. Like, I just, I don't know how else to word it. But whatever, let's dive into scripture. But those are three points of clarity, or those are three, mm, that would just be my preface. It is all about Jesus, including the Holy Spirit. If you love, serve, and follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And then number three, there are these nerdy schools of theology where we might differ, but these are points of distinction, not points of division. And so because we would land in this continuationist, uh, cautious but biblical, man, we're going to dive into the Word of God. Like, that's what's going to be what drives our time this morning. So let's dive into that. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you got your Bibles, if you just got here, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at 11 verses this morning. Thanks, man. That's service. This is Izzy, guys. He's our worship leader. Um, thanks, Izzy. All right, here we go. Well, while you do that, I'll just read. Here we go. Uh, beginning in verse one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given, excuse me, for to one is given uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray for our time. God, as we dive into your word, my prayer, Lord, is that you would be glorified. That you would be glorified and that you would make yourself known through your word. God, I know that when the topic of the gifts of your Holy Spirit comes up, uh, sometimes we get a little nervous, sometimes we get a little scared, sometimes we're even a little skeptical. And so, Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you would be at work within us this morning, driving us back to your word. Because it is in your word that not only you make yourself known, but you also reveal our hearts. And you reveal our hearts by piercing our hearts with your word. So we can find both comfort and conviction in that truth. God, I pray that I would be set aside 
And Holy Spirit, that it would be you at work. I pray ultimately that this time would be a time of encouragement and edification for your church. So God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for this opportunity to walk through and examine your word. And once again, just pray that you would be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it just me or is it really hot? Okay, it's the lights. All right, I sweat a lot. So we're just, we're going to see what happens today. Okay, here we go. We got three sections in, in 1 Corinthians 12, right? Uh, the first section is the reality in Corinth. The second one is the purpose of the gifts. And then finally, it's the gifts themselves, right? Now, as I mentioned earlier, we got a lot to work through. I might go through some of these a little bit faster than others, uh, but rest assured, I'll, I'll try to address as much as I can in our time this morning. When you read through 1 Corinthians, we need to understand why Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Paul isn't writing to the church in Corinth because they're awesome. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because he's correcting them. Oftentimes, when I hear Christians quote 1 Corinthians, not just chapter 12, but when they begin to talk about particularly uh, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we love to walk through 1 Corinthians, or we love to walk through chapter 12 and kind of neglect chapters 13 and 14. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 is Paul addressing this subject of the, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he is addressing it in a manner where he is correcting the Corinthians because they're jacking it up, right? And sometimes I'll hear Christians be like, man, I want to be like the church in Corinth. Like, no, you don't. You don't want to be like the church in Corinth, right? Like there was a dude sleeping with his stepmom. They were getting drunk at the communion table. Like we don't want to be like Corinth right? Unless, unless there's going to be this really angry letter accompanied with it, right? So that's the first thing we need to, we need to recognize that, right? Uh, particularly after chapter 10, Paul is just driving uh, correction after correction. And so we need to be reminded of that, that Paul is not writing to them because they're super awesome, because they're doing this great job. Paul is actually correcting this church, and he's correcting them because they were doing things within worship that weren't just terrible, but out of context. And so what that ended up doing was bringing like ignorance and immaturity within this body of believers. The first thing that Paul says in verse one, uh, let me scroll up. The first thing that he says is now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. As a result of him correcting the Corinthians, they're acting ignorantly. And we can look at that in verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, however you were led. And so Paul is telling them, right now, you're being ignorant in the sense that you are uninformed. And because you are uninformed, you lack understanding. And because you lack understanding, you lack communion with God. And because you lack communion with God, you're acting immature. <sighs> Lovingly, that's some of you. Where we choose to be ignorant, and as a result, we lack understanding, we lack communion with God, and we lack maturity. And what I love about 1 Corinthians 12 is that Paul doesn't get to the gifts until verse 8. 
verses one through seven, he's setting them up in the sense of like, we need to talk about some other things before we start talking about the gifts. And some of you might be in there, especially after I said, hey, we're going to be talking about the gifts. You're like, oh, what is he going to say? Well, we need to talk about some other things before we start talking about the gifts. Not the agas, right? And so, so that's, that's kind of the, the beginning of it. Some of you, some of us, are ignorant in our understanding of what Scripture teaches because we choose to be. Some are ignorant, like the Corinthians, in our understanding of Scripture because uh, we rather bring in some of the influences we had before we knew Jesus to accompany our understanding of Scripture. Listen to verse 2 once more. He said, When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Sometimes one of the things I see within the church, and I'm not just talking about storehouse, but sometimes one of the things I see within the church is where we allow things, maybe even idols as Paul is talking about, where we bring idols in or accompany our understanding of Scripture along with former idols. And we, you know, sprinkle some uh, spirituality language on that, Right? I mean, you can go to the bookstore, and we've talked about this before. You can go to the bookstore, and you can see a ton of, uh, of like self-help books. Not that all of them are, are, are garbage, but you can see a ton of like spirituality-type books under the Christian section at the bookstore, yet none of them necessarily talk about Jesus. Like one of the top-rating uh, books under the, the category of Christian literature this year doesn't even talk about Jesus. But because it's under the Christian section, it must be good. And so sometimes I think we choose to be ignorant. We choose to be uninformed. And because we choose to be uninformed, we're actually immature in our understanding of what Scripture teaches. We are immature in our understanding of of who God is and what God has done for us in Christ. I think when we're immature, we run the risk of being double-minded. I like some things in the world. I like some things in Scripture. Let me put them together, and maybe it'll work. Maybe this is the formula. And we're sadly, uh, you know, we're proved wrong. And so, one of the last things that Paul says, he goes on to say, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. He's saying like, you can't love Jesus and then talk trash about Jesus. Like that doesn't make sense. Going back to the immaturity part. And then he continues, and no one can ever say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's like, you can't say you love Jesus unless you have the Holy Spirit within you. So he's like putting everything on the table, as Paul does. He's putting everything on the table before these Christians just like he's doing it for us. Like their immature understanding was accompanied with, man, I could, uh, I could say I'm a Christian and then talk trash about the church and Jesus. Paul's like, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not how it works. And he's like, and you can only say Jesus is Lord if you actually belong to him to begin with. Like you have to have the Holy Spirit if you're going to say that. And so he's addressing their ignorance. He's addressing their immaturity, just like he's addressing it with you and I. And so ultimately what Paul wants for us, what God wants for us through Paul, is that we would be informed. Sounds kind of uh, logical. It's kind of nice, right? Like we want to be informed. Paul wants us to be properly informed through the word of God, through our maturing, 
and through discernment. I think that's it. I don't know, I don't know what else I have to say. Right? That's just verses one through three. Like Paul's like, I don't want you to be ignorant. Some of you are mature, so let me inform you. How is he going to inform them? Through the word of God. Right? So let's, let's go into the next section. So let's talk about the purpose of the gifts. So that was the reality of Corinth. Right? So again, if you're ever like, let's be like Corinth, no. That's a no-no. We don't want to be like Corinth unless, we, unless we're being corrected, then sure. The next thing he says, and I actually want to focus more on verse 7, but nevertheless, we're going to walk through this. Paul says, now, in light of that, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them. You might want to circle that word. In uh, all, in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's actually what I want to focus on. But in this section, before getting to the gifts, Paul is walking the Corinthians through the purpose of the gifts. So we, have, we still haven't gotten to the gifts yet. We still haven't even gotten. I love that about Paul. He's like, if we're going to talk about the stuff that you really want to talk about, I'm going to talk about the stuff you don't want to talk about. Right? <clears throat> and so here are the purpose of the gifts. And I've lined them out. This is all in your outline and your notes and stuff like that. And so here's the first one. The first one is, and eventually we're going to focus on verse 7. The first one is that the gifts exist to glorify God. Right? The gifts exist to glorify God. The, the thing that Paul says over and over in, what is this, verses 4 and 7, uh, 4 through 7, the thing that Paul says over and over is varieties of gifts, the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers you. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God, not yourself. And he tells you about that in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, to each, and we're going to chop this up, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So if the first purpose of the Spirit, or of the gifts, is to glorify God, then the second one is to display God. Let's reread verse 7. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. When you're at work in your spiritual gifting, that is the Holy Spirit on display, not you. I mean, you got beef with that, take it up with verse 7. Right? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. When you are at work in your spiritual gifting, whether it's through the gifts that we're going to talk about right now or some of the gifts mentioned elsewhere, it is the Holy Spirit on display, not you. Not you. Therefore, you and I must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves. I think we forget the word gift when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like it's a gift to you, right? Like you didn't earn it. It is a gift so that he would be on display. Not so that you would be on display like you're a conduit, right? The next half of verse seven, which is the third uh, purpose of the gifts, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Who's the common good? That's the church. Oh, still not about you, okay? <laughs> ha, you're welcome, Okay? Emphasis on common good. And this is consistent with Scripture. 
And in Ephesians 4, Paul says, hey, you were given apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers so that the people would be equipped for the ministry, right? What was the point of it? So that Christ would be made known, so that you would be made uh, mature. Yeah, that's to edify and encourage the church. And I think that's a two-parter, right? It's a two-parter. It's, it's to emphasize that the gift served to edify and encourage the church, Why? Because God has chosen to reveal himself in Christ through the church. Like that's, that's, that's the big, that's the crescendo in that. Like God is going to make himself known through the church. That means you and I need to be informed. You and I need to know the purpose of the gifts because it's not for you and I to be on display. It's for the Holy Spirit to be on display so that Jesus would be made known and so that people would come to know Jesus. That's the whole point. Still not about us. What I love about this is like you can't like creatively insert, uh, just, just love yourself because scripture says die to yourself. Died to yourself so that Jesus would be made known. And how is that matured? It is through the church encouraging and edifying one another. We'll get practical in a little bit. But that is through the church edifying and encouraging one another for the purpose of making Jesus known. For the purpose of making Jesus known. Like Jesus is going to make himself known through repentant sinners. That is the purpose of the gifts. Now, let's get into the gifts. Everybody's like, all right. Still not about you, right? (laughs) So the gifts of the Spirit. Here's what Paul says. And I'm going to break these down into two or threes. Actually, let me preface this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to break it down into twos or threes. The Apostle Paul writes about the gifts here plainly. Like, yes, he's offering um, correction. Yes, 100%. He's correcting the church in Corinth. But he's also talking about them plainly. And so that's how I want to walk through them. I just want to walk through them plainly with some biblical support. Here we go. The first one he says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. Everybody's like, what does that mean? Wisdom means you know what to do with knowledge. Knowledge means you know stuff. That was kind of easy. All right. Next. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say in that, but, but you know some of those individuals who have that gift of wisdom that you go to for counsel, that you go to when you have those issues. You're like, man, I got these things that I'm working through. I don't necessarily know what to do. And so you bring it before a couple of brothers or sisters, and they're like, hey, man, well, let's pray about this. And they might give you some, some practical things, but they just kind of spit some wisdom on you, and you're like, I would have never thought of that. And they're like, I know. That's why I have the gift of wisdom right? But then you have other people, right, who uh, have the gift of knowledge. Like, that's just, like, this is just written biblically. It really just means you're a nerd. That's, that's all it is. It just means you're a nerd. Like, you're a student 
of knowledge. Like, uh, you know some of those uh, individuals who just read books upon books and are diving into scripture and retain information all the time. And you're like, man, you're so smart, but you don't know what to do, right? Like, that's why you need the one who knows about wisdom, right? <laughs> like, you've heard the expression, like, you're the dumbest smart person I know. Like, that's someone who knows a lot, but doesn't know what to do, right? Like, these gifts, again, spoken about plainly, when we walk through them, you're like, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. That's how Paul's kind of walking through it. Anyway, so he continues. Where are we? Uh, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So he's still using that language that we talked about earlier, right? It's all pointing back to God. <clears throat> uh, knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. So let's park there. When it comes to the gift of faith, okay, if you belong to Jesus, you have the gift of faith, right? Like, I'll say that one more time, I guess, I don't know, right? Like if you belong to Jesus, you have the gift of faith. And you're like, how is that a gift? Right, Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your doing, it is a gift of God so that no one can boast, right? Like, you have been given the gift of faith by God. Now, with that being said, right, and I want to I talk about my wife a little bit. With that being said, there is like this, uh, I don't know what to call it, like in this other section where like her faith, her trust in Jesus just runs so much deeper than mine, right? Like I'm the spreadsheet, I'm the numbers guy, and I'm like, oh my God, we're suffering. She's like, it'll be okay, God's going to provide right? Like she is the one who is just so driven by God's certainty as it has been revealed to her through his word. And I love that because I'm freaking out all of the time, right? That's why I have whiteboards and spreadsheets and color-coded calendars and trying to control everything, but that's my issue, not hers, right? Like that's just the truth, like, and you know some of those. And here's, here's with that, like with my wife's gift of faith, like that's not her saying we're not going to do anything, right? She's not like, oh, God will provide. Let's not do anything. That's not what that means, right? Like, she's diligent. She's a hard worker. We move through things. But the thing is, like, she just has, this is how we word it at home. She just has this, like, spirit-driven certainty. That's all I got, and I'm freaking out over here, right? But that's what you get for being a control freak. So that's faith. The next one is healing, right? And people are like, what about it? Well, I mean, what about it? I mean, God uses people to heal others. Um, I mean, he can. Sometimes he doesn't. Okay. The Lord heals. He chooses when to do it. And you and I are a conduit of his mercy and grace through healing. The next one is miracles. I, I think miracles is similar to that of healing. You're like, I don't know if miracles exist. If you were saved by Jesus, that's a miracle. I've never seen a dead person come to life on their own. Okay? Like, Scripture teaches that we are, we are all spiritually dead apart from Christ. But it is through his mercy and grace that he revives us spiritually, that he gives us a new heart. That regeneration that we talked about in week one, that's exactly what that is. So if you are a Christian, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was saved by Jesus. That's a miracle. We got to at least agree on that. The fact that you love Jesus is a miracle, okay? And I think sometimes 
because this is such a big topic, even as I walk through some of this, it's like, well, you could say more. I, I think I can. I know I could say more, but I also just want to talk about them plainly because I think one of the, the, one of the gifts of grace through the gifts is for us just not be afraid. I, I don't know how else to word that. I don't, I don't think God wants us to be afraid of these gifts. I think he wants us to be informed. Right? The next one is prophecy, or at least I wrote down prophecy. So there's a one in between them. The ability to distinguish spirits, we would call that discernment, to another various kinds of tongues. Excuse me. Various kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. Uh, so prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretations of tongues. We're going to save verse 11 because I think that's the focus of this section. So let me go through it, uh, beginning with prophecy. Here, here's what I want to say about prophecy. Same thing. Everybody's like, tell me about prophecy. Okay, we are going to talk about prophecy, okay? Prophecy isn't just like predicting the future. It's a lot more than that. But if you want to go that route, you're like, I do want to talk about predicting the future. Okay, then what's beautiful about Scripture is that Scripture interprets itself with Scripture. And so we can look to God's Word when it comes to prophecy. And if you're like, what do you mean? Deuteronomy 13, the Lord tests us and He says, if a prophet comes to you and he tells you something other than what I have told you, he is a liar and she'd be killed. Right? <laughs> Deuteronomy 18, God tells the Israelites, he says, if a prophet comes, speaking of the future and predicting things, and they don't come to pass, he was a liar, and we should uh, go Old Testament on him. I'll say it that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, that brings me, again, the whole cautious but biblical, like, that brings me great, pro like, it brings me a lot of comfort. Because I don't have to pull from experience. I'm just going to pull from the sufficiency of Scripture. So that's Deuteronomy 13 and 18. So yeah, some people might be like, hey man, I got a, I've got a word from the Lord. Okay, let's see what happens, right? Um, so that's Deuteronomy 13 and 18. But in addition to prophecy, I want you to think about the prophets. What did they, here's a Bible question, right? What did they do 70% of the time? What did they preach? They preached like one thing. Repentance, because I told you. Yeah, all right, okay? <laughs> right? 70% of the time, the prophets were saying, repent and return to the Lord. Repent. Prophecy includes speaking from Scripture and saying, hey, bro, I don't think this is right. I think this is sin, and I think you need to repent. See, all of a sudden, when we start accompanying Scripture with this, it seems very normative. Well, what about when you do get a word from the Lord? Man, when he brings you something. Okay, 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Paul says, if you do get a word, bring it to leadership so that you can pray. I don't, I don't know. He's like, bring it to leadership so two or three of you can pray through it. <clears throat> John says, make sure that you test the Spirit because not everything that comes to you is from the Lord. Paul elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians, he says, don't, don't freak out with prophecy, test it. I think it's those other scriptures that some Christians are like, oh, test it. Yeah, not everything is going to be of the Lord. Not, I'm just, not everything is going to be of the Lord. So test it. I think about, like, 
when I start talking, teaching, or preaching on like prophecy and even tongues, I think for the way I'm wired, um, I can talk about them kind of plainly. Like this is what it is, and we can cross-reference some scripture, so it brings me comfort. Let's keep moving forward. But when it comes to like personality in terms of even being charismatic, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not exactly very charismatic, right? Like, I'm, I'm just kind of introverted. And so it trips me out when God does this, and then I got to do business with it. And so I think about, I think I was 21, I'd been a Christian for like six months, and the Lord revealed that he was eventually going to call me into pastoral ministry. Now, that's me being 21, that tripped me out because it wasn't via email or spreadsheet, right? Like, we can talk about these gifts plainly, right? And some of you are like, I get really excited about prophecy. Like, yeah, cool, man. I don't, but I get excited about administration. You don't, right? Like, everybody's wired differently, blah, blah, blah. And so, he reveals that. I'm 21, been a Christian for like six months, freaking out with that, don't want to tell anybody, because I thought like pastoral ministry is for people who have it all together. Like that's, you know, I don't, nada que ver. Like I don't want to do anything with that. And after six months, I brought it before my pastor at the time, and I said, look, this, so this is going to be, sound weird. This is what happened. And so then two or three other men gathered, and we just began to pray for about a year. I didn't do anything with it, nothing. Through those men, through the word of God, it was confirmed, but I didn't become a pastor for like another seven or eight years. Like that doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. I think God chooses to do that. At the very, I'm going to speak for myself. God chooses to reveal himself through things like that, through like dreams and words and all that, because it's going to force me to go back to his word. And because of the way I'm wired, certainly like I want to dig but I don't just want to be always the rational one and the methodical one and the spreadsheet one. Like, I want to be the one that goes to the Word of God. That's the church I want us to be. I want us to run to the Word of God. Let's keep going, and I'll talk more about that because we still got a little bit to go. The next one is uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. I love how Paul puts that together. Like, he doesn't just leave it up. He's like, it's just this one thing. He's like, no, tongues and interpretation of tongues. And here's the thing. When you read through 1 Corinthians 14, he talks a lot about tongues and prophecy because those were the two that were being abused the most in that church. Again, don't want to be like the Corinthians, right? <clears throat> so those are the two that are the most abused by the church. In addition to that, in chapter 14, Paul walks them through an order of worship. Like, in other words, he's saying, there is a way to do this. And if there is a way to do this, let's go back to the purpose. It is so that God would be glorified. It is so that the church would be edified. And it is so that the Holy Spirit would be on display, not yourself. And Christians, both in Corinth and today, want to talk about things like this, just like the Corinthians, where they are abusing the gifts and bringing attention to themselves and not edifying a single soul. And Paul, in that same chapter, goes on to say, I rather say 10 words in my regular language than say five words in tongues because it's going to take away from this whole thing. It's going to trip people out, and that's not the point of them. 
The purpose of the gifts is to glorify God, put the Spirit on display, and edify the church so that we would be built up so that people would come to know Jesus because it is all about Jesus. And so we go to verse 11. We conclude with verse 11, even though we're not done. But we conclude with verse 11. He says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. It is the Holy Spirit who is at work. It is the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts. And it is the Holy Spirit who determines when to distribute them. You and I don't have superpowers. All right? And the truth is, some of you treat the gifts like they are. Like when Superman does his thing, Superman is the one that gets the attention. When Batman does his thing, Batman is the one that, does his, that gets the attention. When you treat the spirits like, or the, the, the spiritual gifts like it's your superpower, you're just bringing attention to yourself, not edifying the church. Uh, you are quenching the spirit and you're not glorifying God. It's like you skipped over verses one through eight or one through seven, which is why Paul wants to walk them through that first. The gifts of the Holy Spirit direct us to the grace of God in order to build up the church of God. So with that being said, what should you do? How does this apply to you? And then how should we respond? Good on time. Here we go. Here's how this would apply to you. This would be my encouragement to you. The first one is serving, or on your notes it says the necessity of serving. Serving is a part of the Christian life. Now we're just jumping into serving because that's the purpose of the gifts. Like, the way you edify and encourage is by serving one another. That's just fancy language. You're just serving one another. <clears throat> serving is a part of the Christian life. It is not just a responsibility that you and I have, but there are also needs that force us to come out of our comfort zone. One of the things that greatly annoys me, <laughs> if I'm just being honest, is when there's a need in the church, and some Christians are like, oh, that's not my gifting. I didn't ask you if it was your gifting. There, there's a need because if we want to get super duper practical, right? If we are a church family, families have chores. Everybody has a chore. My mom used to say there is no maid in this house, right? Like my son's heard that a ton. Like there is no maid in this house. Everybody has chores. And sometimes those chores are outside of your comfort zone and they need to be met, right? Like, I'll blow up some of our, like our, like our connect team. Like most of our teams are led by introverts, right? And better yet, most of our interactive teams are led by introverts, right? That's stepping outside their comfort zone, right? They like have a quota for how many people to walk up to because they're just so terrified, right? But in addition to that, my favorite one is when I get young dudes who tell me like, I have the gift of teaching, you know, and you know, I've read books sometimes. And, uh, and, you know, I'm good at this. I'm good at teaching. I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. Uh, I need you to pick up chairs. Like, whoa. I said I'm good at teaching. Right? Like, you want me to teach someone to pick up a chair? Like, no. I need you to go pick up the chair. Or sometimes they're just like, man, I really feel like God's uh, going to use me. You know, they do the whole prophetic thing, right? Like, I feel like God's going to use me. And, uh, you know, I'm a good teacher or maybe even a preacher one day. And uh, essentially, I'm, I think I'm a good Bible study. Like, that's great. 
I, uh, we need people teaching our, uh, our kids up on the second floor. And they're like, whoa. I'm like, right, you don't want to teach kids. It's going to make you feel stupid. Right? Uh, let's just be honest, right? Like, you can be all theological, and you tell that to a six-year-old, and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> right? The first time I served in kids, I called Jesus, like, there was this dude named Jesus, and I had this little girl tell me, Jesus is not a dude. <laughs> Jesus is God. Like, that's a very theological statement, right? And I felt so stupid. I just sat there afterwards, and we were just eating goldfish. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, like she totally disarmed me. You know what I mean? Like, like some of you are like that. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not really good with kids. No, you just don't want to feel stupid. Like, let's just be honest. But the truth is, there's a need. There's a need. 20% of our church consists of kids. That's a discipleship opportunity, not a daycare opportunity. That's a discipleship opportunity. Not there, I guess, right? So uh, that's number one, right? Serving is part of the Christian life. Number two, cultivate your gifting, right? Especially as you start to dig in things like 1 Corinthians 12 and even Romans, blah, blah, blah. Like as you start to work through those things, right? Cultivate your gifting. You cultivate your gifting through trial and error. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know a better way, right? Maybe you take a spiritual gifting test. I don't know, right? But part of it is like trial and error, right? Like preaching and teaching is something I really, really enjoy, but I also like tell the guys to listen to my sermon, tell me what you think, what did I say, and I hate their response all the time because it's critique, right? Like, but it helps me grow. Like, it's trial and, and error. Sometimes you might not be good at some things, and, and that'll be obvious. Like, I really stink at this. I, this is probably not my gifting. And it's like, yeah, if you're right, that's not. Please don't do that ever again, right? <laughs> the next one is uh, steward your gift. This is all application-based. The next one is steward your gift. So the gifts that you've been given, steward them. Because why? It's a gift. Right? It is a gift. So steward it. That means you have been entrusted with it. That means you will be empowered and the Spirit will determine uh, and distribute when He sees fit. It is a gift. It is a gift to be used to edify the church, put the Spirit on display, and glorify God. Right? So, that's just some application. Here's how I would encourage us to respond and we'll close here. first thing I would say, and it's only two things, and I, at this point, if you're taking notes, you could stop. Like, just want us to be kind of present with one another. The first thing would be, pursue humility. So in, in, a, moment, in, a, in a moment, in a moment, we are going to respond to God's word through, through communion and, 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 and through prayer. And so in that time, pursue humility. Not just, not just today, like make it the starting point, but, but pursue humility. Some of you value your experience. I've got to be careful with this, but check it out. Some of you value your experience and ignore the word of God. Okay? Some of you value your experience more than you value the word of God. Some of you value the word of God so much that you are pretentious and you belittle brothers and sisters. Like they might not even disagree with what you say, but they just walk away feeling like, like crap. The spiritual gifts exist because scripture is sufficient. 
God is not pleased with you because of your gifting, but because of Jesus' work done for you on the cross. Pursue humility. Whether you agree with those positions or not, pursue humility. Pursue humility is number one. Number two, fight for unity. Elsewhere in chapter 12, Paul tells us that we are actually in need of one another because we are wired differently. It's the whole point of being a body. That we're actually in need of one another. And so fight for unity within the church because God in Christ has chosen to reveal himself through the church. And here's what I'll close with. God paid really good money for his church. He paid with his own blood. He didn't save you to be a Marvel or a DC character, but to be reconciled to the Father and to one another. And so if you're a Christian, regardless of where you stand on this, those are two things that we all need to pursue. Some of you have the gift of spiritual pride and you need to repent of that. Maybe you've heard some stuff because I didn't dive too far into the gifts or maybe I said something you didn't like. Check yourself first. And I would encourage my, like, I would tell you to tell me that. But some of you, your gift is really just spiritual pride. So repent. Repent from that. Place your trust in Jesus. Humble yourself as you continue to run after him. Some of you don't know who Jesus is. And when it comes to the spiritual gifts, you're like, man, that's, that's kind of weird. Like I've seen some stuff online. Maybe you've even experienced some stuff. And that's kind of weird. Hey, man, I'm, some of those experiences might have been bad. Maybe not all of them, but some of them might have been bad. And I'm sorry. Man, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. More than anything for you, I want you to love and follow Jesus. So turn from your sin, place your trust in Jesus, and run after him. He, he'll take care of the rest, I promise you. I'm not, what I don't promise you is a new car and an easy life, but I promise you a new heart, right? I promise you that, that the Holy Spirit will be at work in you. He will do the rest. Place your trust in him. May we be a church that exercised the gifts for the purpose of glorifying God, putting the spirit on display, and for uh, the edification of this body so that people would come to know Jesus, not you. Let's pray. God, everyone here, all of us here, are guilty of spiritual pride. Like there's not one person who can sit back and say, uh, yeah, that's, that's not me. I think that, in that case, Holy Spirit, you know, bring conviction. But there's not one person, I think, in this room that can say, man, I, I don't wrestle with spiritual pride. 
And God, I think as we examine the gifts of your Holy Spirit, a large part of their neglection or neglect, a large part of their abuse, a large part of people's fear sometimes, most of the times, comes from a place of spiritual pride. And so God, more than, more than anything, because we can go back and study 1 Corinthians 12, we can look up the notes, we can re-listen to this sermon. More than anything, God, may we fall to our knees there in repentance of our spiritual pride. Lord, would you meet us where we are? Take us to where you want us to be for the purpose of, of knowing Jesus and making him known. Let that be the cry of our heart. So God, right now, I, I confess my spiritual pride. Lord, that because I can be that, that like reason or rational in, individual, I, I sometimes allow that to take over more than I trust your word. Likewise, I, I think there are brothers and sisters who are here that, uh, man, their spiritual pride comes as a result of experience. And, 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 and that keeps them from running to your word. God, would you forgive us both for running from you, running from your word, running from the promises of your word, running from the conviction of your word, running from the comfort of your word. Lord, would you forgive us of our spiritual pride? Holy Spirit, would you be at work in us this morning? So that as we continue to celebrate the work uh, of Jesus done for us, man, we would sing loudly. We would praise and worship you humbly. And may we follow you confidently. And so, Lord, we ask these things, that you would do them uh, for us this morning as we walk out of here. But in addition to that, Lord, as, as we transition into to, to a time of tithes and offerings, Lord, this is, this is still a part of worship. This is a part of you, Holy Spirit, at work in us, teaching us, guiding us, counseling us to give sacrificially, give cheerfully. Most, significant, most significantly to give faithfully. So Lord, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to both uh, examine your word, worship you in light of your word, and worship you in light of uh, communion and singing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.